Welcome to Passion Church. For more information about Passion Church, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. Careful, become porch powders. Y'all didn't, you see, that was just free. Y'all didn't pay for that one. Y'all didn't pray for this one. If you're not careful, uh, poor, poor people that suffer from porch poverty, they begin to not only suffer in silence, they begin to suffer in sarcasm. Uh, because you'll notice in the tone of the older brother's voice, that, you see, y'all ain't helping me none. Y'all weren't, y'all weren't ready for me. It's a good thing I wasn't here. Y'all weren't ready for me. But uh, so I'm hoping this morning you're ready for me. We're going to start a new series. I'm not... Um, sure exactly how long we're going to stay in this one, but I really felt like the, the Holy Spirit had been leading me to talk to you about living through the nothings. Uh, living through the nothings. Uh, I just need to fill you in that one of my least favorite words in the English language is nothing. I hate the word nothing. Don't look at me like that. I hate it. Let me, let me tell you why. Uh, it is a word that reveals lack. It is a word that holds no element of promise. It is a word that contains no ounce of hope. It, so, so let me see if I can bring it to where we live and, and, and explain. Like, like you share your heart for the one you love. And, and, and I mean, you just lay your heart bare and you tell them all how you feel. You write them the note, I like you, do you like me, and all that stuff. And do the little, you know, all that little thing we used to do. And, and you share all that and you lay your emotions out there bare and there's no response. Nothing. I hate nothing. I mean, there, there's no run to embrace. There's no run to romance. There's absolutely nothing. And you feel like an idiot. I hate nothings. I, I don't like this one. You spend hours working on your grand, earth-shaking, world-changing idea. And you've been putting it down on paper and building PowerPoints and b making brochures. And you share it. you got a confidant that you trust their opinion. And you share it with them. And they just look at you like, Wow, thanks a lot for wasting the last hour of my life. This has no chance of my, nothing. See, I know y'all ain't never done that. No affirmation, no celebration, nothing. Maybe this is just me, but you spend hours preparing the sermon. Now we're getting somewhere. See, I'm just, I'm just preaching out of my pain. You just spend hours developing this great, like T.D. Jakes level sermon, hopefully. And, it, and, it, and it's filled with hope, and there's a challenge, and, and there's divine insight, and you've... See, y'all don't even know. Y'all don't know. And then you get up, and you deliver that, and people look at you like a deer caught in headlights, and, and, and they walk out, and there's no change. No, no. Okay, see. Lord, just help Pastor right now, because he's... No, I'm, I'm all right. I'm all right. Nothing. The demand is there, but the resource is not. The, the need is apparent, but there seems to be no solution. It's, a, it's that moment where you try to make a withdrawal only to discover that there's no funds, nothing. It's, it's the time in your life where you need energy and you, you reach down to grab that last bit of emotional energy or physical energy and the tanks are dry. Nothing. Nothing in the cabinets, nothing in the bank, 
nothing in reserve, relationships longed for, but nothing. I hate the word nothing. But more than I hate the word nothing, I hate the experience of nothing. See, uh, I wonder if maybe some of you this morning might be presently living through a nothing season. It's that season where your expectations go unmet. It's that season where, where you expected uh, 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 an oasis and instead you find yourself very dry. It's that moment in your life where caring has become cursing and weddings have turned into war and health is lost and now you need healing. And there's nothing. Now, I will say to you this. This is the, the, the disclaimer for you. This will let you off the, some of you off the hook. If everything in your life is turning up roses and everything is like fairy tale endings for you right now, then most likely this series is not going to help you. But for the rest of us that are like living real life, because you just wait, then I'm praying that this moment together over the next couple of weeks will bring us help, if not hope. Because we all live through seasons of nothing. There are several accounts that I will be drawing your attention to that I think we can learn from. Uh, the first one that I want to start in this morning is a, is a familiar passage of Scripture. It's in Matthew chapter 15. Uh, it, it's, it's out of the life and the, the experience of Jesus. It's Matthew chapter 15 beginning in verse 29. It says this, After Jesus returned, he walked along Lake Galilee and then climbed a mountain and took his place ready to receive visitors. They came, tons of them, bringing along the paraplegic, the blind, the maimed, the mute, all sorts of people in need, and more or less threw them down at Jesus' feet to see what he would do with them. I this has nothing to do with my message, but I love this next phrase because it's so matter of fact. He healed them. He didn't, he, they don't expand on it. They don't, they don't say, he just healed them. I love that about Jesus that out of nowhere, he, just like it's routine, everyday, normal, hey, boom, you're healed. They, they bring him the worst and throw him down as if they're trash, and he heals them. When people saw the mute speaking, the maimed were healthy, the paraplegics walking around, the blind looking around, they were astonished and let everyone know that God was blazingly alive among them. But Jesus wasn't finished with them. Now I want you to hear this. I like this too. He called his disciples and he said, I hurt for these people. That is a powerful concept. Uh, those of us that are living through nothing seasons ought to grab onto that one statement there, if nothing else, this morning. Jesus hurt for them, which says to me that when we're going through seasons of nothing, He cares. For three days now, they've been with me, and now they have nothing to eat. I can't send them away without a meal. They'd probably collapse on the road. And his disciples said, but where, where in this deserted place are you going to dig up enough food for a meal? And Jesus asked, how much bread do you have? Seven loaves, they said, plus a few fish. And then in verse 38, it says this, over 4,000 people ate their fill at that meal. The disciples find themselves in a moment of nothing. And it's an interesting dilemma they find themselves. They are faced with a multitude. 
they are faced with a mob. They are faced with a throng of people, 4,000 people. In fact, uh, one version mentions that that 4,000 number was only the men. So most likely, uh, since a man gets lost on his own without the help of a woman and would have never been able to find Jesus out in the wilderness anyway, there are probably 8,000 people. Okay, y'all missed that. Uh, There are a lot. And now in this moment, Jesus puts them on the spot. I I want you to see what happens. Jesus has a moment of compassion, but he does so at the expense of his disciples. Think about that a moment. I want you to recognize that out of nowhere, get this, he asks the disciples to resource his rescue. I hate the word nothing. I hate it when Jesus does this to us too. Because how many of you have ever been been party to the fact that Jesus uh, likes to help people and he puts us on the spot to do it? Thank you, Jesus. Quit asking me to resource the rescue that you wanted to... Okay, so y'all ain't helped nobody lately. That's how it is. And see, he asked them to rescue, the, to, to resort the rescue. And then, you guessed it, they look around and they find nothing. Here it is. I want you to feed this crowd. And not only do I want you to serve them, I want you to find the necessary food to do so. And in the face of an incredible need, the disciples are left grasping for words and worse yet, grasping for straws. I believe their head was down in embarrassment. I think they begin to kick dirt. I think they begin to twitch their hands in nervousness because they recognize that what was getting ready to take place is they were getting ready to be publicly exposed for their nothing. In fact, y- y'all got to help me because sometimes my imagination gets the best of me. But, 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 but when I read this story and Jesus turns to his disciples and says, what do you have? In my mind, I know I'm getting older, but in my mind it's the whole Gomer Pyle sergeant, the drill sergeant that would stand up in front of Gomer and say, I can't hear you. When he would, y'all remember him? He was a kind of a jerk. But, 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 but I, I, I feel like that maybe Jesus approached the disciples a little bit like that. And, and when he said, what do you have? They were like, we don't have anything. I can't hear you. And so they finally, they finally respond and say, seven, seven loaves. Jesus, how are we supposed to respond to this crowd and have the necessary resources to feed them? Where are we supposed to find this much food? They begin to make excuses. And what do we have? Seven loaves. 4,000 men. I don't know how many uh, women. Another 4,000. Wait, I forgot the mother-in-law's. 12,000. What do you have? Seven loaves. In other words, what they are literally stating in that moment is this. We have nothing. Some things that stand out to me personally. I've noticed that Jesus publicly exposes our nothings. See, it's one thing for them to realize and and for the disciples to recognize that they didn't have the deficient the, the resources to feed these hungry people but now Jesus is trying to expose their deficiency and their lack and their shortcoming and their nothing and he does it publicly that's something entirely different Jesus could have pulled them over into like a side hill hey buddies uh, 
fellas, come on over here and let me talk to you about it. This is a bad deal. I asked you to feed them and you didn't come through. What's wrong with you? But instead, right out in front of God and everybody, he points out the fact that, that, that they don't have what they need. Here are thousands of people, and I want you guys to do something about it. And, and now, right out in front of God and everybody, he points out the fact they can't do anything about it. Talk about being put on the spot. Talk about being embarrassed. Lack is looming over them. They, they now have to walk around like this because they're a bunch of losers. Come on now, put yourself in their position. Jesus looks at them and explains his expectations to them and they can't live up to them and he calls them out and makes it a public exposure. I'm getting somewhere, stay with me. Have you ever noticed that as hard as we try to convince everybody around us that we have it all in order and all together that Jesus has this nasty, it's a nasty habit. Jesus has a nasty habit. And a, might I add, a very necessary habit of publicly exposing our lack. Now, see if I can help you. I hate that. I hate that about Jesus. I know y'all love everything about Jesus. But I hate the fact that Jesus has this habit of exposing us. Because the truth is this morning is I would rather be seen as competent and sufficient. I would rather be seen as whole and wealthy. And I would rather be seen as powerful and proficient. But over and over and over again, at least in my life, Jesus continues to expose publicly my lack. Why? Is he just a jerk? I mean, come on, Jesus. Do you just like get off on making me look like an idiot? That's got to be, I mean, you just must sit up there somewhere and just point fingers and ridicule me. And you just like making me feel bad. That's what it is, Jesus. You just like that. You're mean. No, 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 no. We know better than that. Why won't he allow us to hide our nothing? I want to say this to you. You need to catch this this morning. I believe that this account teaches us that Jesus publicly exposes our nothing so that we are not only forced to admit our lack, but also so that we have to rely on him rather than settling for any other substitute. I'm going to say that again. I know that's a mouthful. I, I knew when I wrote it down it was a lot. But, 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 but let me say it again. I believe that what this account teaches us is that Jesus publicly exposes our nothings so that we are not only forced to admit our lack, but also so that we have to rely on Him rather than on any other substitute. See, I will say it again for you. We are too self-sufficient for our own good. We are. Faced with need, Faced with pain, faced with hurt, faced with sickness, we suffer in silence and isolation simply because we don't want anybody to know that we have nothing. We like to convince others that we don't need anything or anyone. And Jesus knows this. That if he doesn't pull the covers back and expose our nothing, then we become satisfied and comfortable with lack and we fill it with other things so we don't have to address our need. So what happens is this. We dress to the nines, but inside we have nothing. And we drive nice cars, but we're bankrupt. And we're coupled up. But on the inside, we're broken. And we never allow anybody or anyone to know that there is lack 
in our life. And Jesus says, if you hide behind all that stuff, if I allowed you to, you would, you would hide behind all of that stuff and therefore you would remain in a nothing season the rest of your life, but you would fool everybody around you into thinking you got it all together. See, I believe that one of the reasons he exposed their nothing publicly was that it required them to face the hopelessness of their own efforts. On their very best day, on their very most anointed day of their entire life, they could try with all of their might, and the truth is, is they were still going to come up short. Am I right? Okay, I just want to make sure you understand. Jesus knew that, that if, if, uh, when he asked them to try on, the, on their own, that in fact what he was doing was he was setting them up to fail forward. See, by exposing their nothing, he brings them to a place where they are forced to realize that their own, in, on their own, the situation was indeed entirely hopeless. Let me help you this morning. Could it be, I'm just, I'm just asking, could it be that the nothing you are facing is God's attempt to force you to quit trying to make it on your own? Could it be? I, I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe you don't agree with that. I, I think I, I happen to kind of agree that, that he allows nothings to come along to force us to admit our need and our reliance upon him and our need for one another. See, the truth is this morning is that you, you are in need of communication. You, uh, you, you've got to communicate with people and with God your need because some of you never tell God, much less anybody else, that you actually have a need. You are in need of commitment where you commit to somebody. I'm going to help you and when I'm in need, I need you to help me because out of that, when you begin to communicate and you, when you begin to commit, guess what happens? Community. I ain't heard that before. Derek, have you heard that message? We went on a men's retreat this weekend. That's what we talked about. Jesus exposes their nothing and it forces them to recognize they're helpless. See, we only want to approach God and we only want to approach other people out of a position of power. But Jesus forces these guys to come forward in lack. So it may do us well to be reminded this morning, I just want to remind you of this, that in our weakness, His strength is made perfect. So does that mean then logically that when we're strong and feel like we have no need of Him, then His strength may be absent? See, I'm convinced of this. You just need to humor me a moment. I'm convinced that Jesus will allow you to try to fix your relationship on your own to fail. I think he allows it to happen. Boy, it got quiet in here. He, he, I, I'm convinced that Jesus will allow you to try to live on your own ability to make ends meet and sit back and watch you fail. Y'all ain't helping me none. I, I, I'm, I'm convinced that Jesus will sit back and let you try to address your own issues all by yourself only to watch you fail in an attempt. It's all an attempt to get you to rely on Him and the people that He's assigned to you. 
I'm even convinced he'll let you try to raise your kids all by yourself. Only to fail. And then, I notice in this passage, the disciples get pretty brave. Talk about brave. They look at Jesus and say, where are you going to find the food? They try to put it back on him. And Jesus won't let them off the hook. He looks back at them and says, no, 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 no. What do you have? I, see, I'm convinced that the reason that we go through the seasons of nothing is that Jesus allows us to go through seasons of nothing so that we must learn our reliance on Him and on one another again. But I also think that what happens is Jesus uses, uses these seasons of nothing to expose the lie of lack. See, see if I can help you this morning. What do you have? Listen to this statement right here. If you miss everything else I say, please hear this statement right here. The size of their need overwhelmed the truth. Jesus exposes the lie of lack because they look at Jesus and they say, we have nothing. And then they catch themselves and they pause and they say, well, really, what we really have is seven loaves and a couple fish. So in other words, in our mind, the need is so great and it is so overwhelming that it's overwhelmed the truth. So we look at you and say, we have nothing when the truth of the matter is we have something. How many of us know that very often we allow our nothings to keep us from our somethings? And we cannot allow what we cannot do to keep us from doing what we can do. And so if we're not careful, we will allow lack to produce in our lives limits when the only thing that can produce a limit in your life is the lack of faith. I'm, try I'm trying. See, in light of the crowd, they have nothing, but upon further review, they do have some something. And in the nothings, we must remember that Jesus almost always requires us to participate in our miracle. Our something may look like nothing because of lack, but our something, here it is, is probably the key to unlocking his supply. We want to talk about that Jesus owns all the cattle on a thousand hills. And I, I don't know how to get access to that. Well, there's probably something that you have in your life that you thought was nothing that is the key to unlock. See, the truth is, is that in light of what you owe, you probably do have nothing. But you probably have something. The truth is, is that in light of the condition of your, your marriage right now, you feel like you can do nothing, but let me just fill you in. You can do something. In light of your physical condition, you may not be able to do what you used to do, but you can still do something. The nothing seasons or moments in our life try to sideline us and stop us. The nothings try to get us to do nothings. And if we're not careful, I'm getting ready to, 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 to date myself right here. If we're not, not we're careful, well, nothing's going to stop us now. I'm sorry. I've been gone a week. I couldn't help myself. 
but we allow the nothing of our life to stop us. See, the mindset, this mindset of I have nothing when in fact you have something is the very reason that people beg for what they need and buy what they want. I ain't looking at you. Just a peek. Because when you begin to talk and think about the need of your life and they are so great, the enemy will lie to you and there's a lie in lack and he will tell you, you can't dig your way out and so therefore go beg for what you need and then, by, by the way, I, I, I can't pay my bills and I can't keep my lights on and I can't feed my children. But I just saw you go through the drive through at Starbucks and buy a $4.52 cup of coffee. Don't shout me down while I'm preaching good. Because we buy the live lack. So we don't feel like we can do anything. Here's why. We allow little to come to the point that it, in our mind it equals nothing. May I go like all southern gospel on you for just a second, just for a moment. I, I don't have a lot of southern gospel in me. I mean, it's all deposited in my mom. I don't have much southern gospel in me. But let me just draw out and tell you, uh, southern, little is much when God is in it. I hear banjos and like steel guitars. I don't know why. But that's truth. This is why people who still have so much to offer will sit down on their gifts and they'll wallow in their pain and they'll wallow in pity and they'll give up because they only see the lack and the nothing and the lack in their life and they never see that they have something and that what they have, what's left over, Jesus can you. Peter came to that understanding in his life. He did. Y'all know the story. Silver and gold. Have I none? There is lack there. I have nothing. But he refused to buy into the lie that just because I don't have the, 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 the resource that you're asking for, there is something in my life I do have. And what I do have does not equal nothing. And although you may think it's a little bit, it may just be enough. And so although I have no silver and gold, what I do have, I can't get no help in a Pentecostal church because y'all know the rest of that story and y'all sitting here staring at me. What I do have, I give in to you. I give it unto you. And all of a sudden, he refused to buy the lilac and somebody gets healed. May I say to you this morning that we seldom ever get to what we do have. And therefore, since we seldom get to what we do have, we seldom ever see anybody get healed and we stagnate and we fixate on the nothing and we never see anybody get fed and we never see anybody get set free and we never see anybody's life change because we've bought into the lie of lack and if we would fixate on the, what we do have rather than what we don't have so we look at you and we go well what can you do nothing really the question isn't what you don't have it's what you do have. What can you give? Nothing. Really. The question is not what you don't have. The question Jesus asked is what do you have? What can you accomplish? Nothing. You just don't know nothing, man. I am. Mm, really. The question is not what you don't have. The question is, what do you have? 
Well, what can you change? Nothing. I'm, I'm tired of hearing people buy the lie. I hear that one answered that way more about relationships than in any other area of their life. My marriage is falling apart. Well, what can you do to make a change? Nothing. Really? Like you can't put the seat down? You, you can't get off his back? You can't keep your comments to yourself? Really? You can't do nothing? Nothing. You're perfect. Nothing can change, right? Nothing. Mm-mm. Really? The question was, okay, y'all getting it now. See, you are in a season of nothing, but you cannot allow the nothing to keep you in nothing. The public exposure of living in the nothings is painful. However, it is necessary so that you will come back to this place in your own life where you will recognize, embrace, That without him and without you, I got no hope of changing this situation. And so I just want to challenge you this morning that if you're going through a season of nothing, you're supposed to live through the season. You're not supposed to stop and live the rest of your life in that season. You're supposed to live through the season. But the key to living through the season and coming out on the other end is first accepting the fact that you've got to have Jesus helping you. And I need you. Because the disciples didn't have anything on their own, but somebody in the crowd had seven loaves and some fishes. And they would have never known the disciples needed it unless they And then I want to tell you that the second step of living through is you've got to come to this place where as little as you do have, it's not nothing. And you quit buying the lie of lack. And when somebody says, what do you have? You quit saying, I don't have anything. I'm I'm broke, busted, disgusted. I, I, I have nothing. Shut your mouth and look around and recognize that what you may have may be little in comparison to what you need, but what you have is not nothing. You have everything you need when Jesus gets His hands on it. And so this morning, I just want to tell you that God wants to resource what you need, but He's going to ask you to step in the mix to pull it off. So this is a challenging message. Don't, don't, please don't, please don't make me hate the word nothing any more than I already hate it. Uh, there are some of you in this room that have been trying to pull it all off on your own. And this was an exposure Sunday and Jesus is exposing your lack this morning on purpose. And this morning is about challenging you to recognize that some of you have bought the lie. And you honestly think you have nothing and you've got a lot left in the tank. And so I want to pray for you. Father, this morning, I'm asking you. I'm asking you to invade the lives of people this morning. The truth is in this church and in many others in America and across the world today, people walk in with smiles on in their best clothes, their Sunday clothes, acting as if they've got it all together. 
And the truth is, is that there are individuals even in this room right now that are living in a season of nothing. They take stock of what they're facing, the uphill battle they're fighting in their relationship, the uphill battle they're fighting in their finances, the uphill battle they're facing physically, with their kids, emotionally. And when they examine their own means and resources, it really does feel like they have nothing. And because of that, they walked in here, and although they came in smiling, deep down on the inside of them, they feel crushed and broken and hurt and desperate. We're taught to hide behind everything. I'm asking you this morning, Father, to expose our needs so that we can be touched and helped and we can see the miracle working power of Jesus multiplied in our life. Father, I know there are folks in here that have bought the lie of lack. They see what they're up against and because they have so little, they consider their little nothing. I pray this morning you would encourage them to understand that what they have is more than enough. It's more than enough. The energy they have left to invest in their relationship is more than enough. The finances that they try to budget out and live on is more than enough. The hope that they place in healing is more than enough. When you get involved. And so this morning I pray that we would not allow the nothings of our life to keep us from doing nothing. We would recognize that you've deposited in us something and allow us to come to the place this morning where we will lay that at your feet and say, Jesus, this is all I got left. And I know when you look at my need, it's very little. And I pray that you would look at all they've got left and you would touch it and resource a rescue this morning in their life. Would you stand with me this morning? Every head up, every eye open. If you're here this morning and you would simply say, Steve, I am in a season of nothing. I'm not going to clarify that and say it's relationship, finance. I'm not asking just just as one group. If you're here this morning and you say, Steve, I am in a season of nothing. I'm struggling. And that's you. Can we bow our heads so nobody... No. Public exposure. Because you don't know, there could be somebody two rows over that has been assigned to you and you don't even know it. But they can't answer the assignment because they don't know you're in need. If you're here this morning and that's you, would you just raise your hand boldly this morning? I am in a season of nothing. Come on. Yeah, I thought so. We've got folks this morning. All right, keep them up. Keep them up. Keep them up. 
the enemy is going to come against them and try to buy, get them to buy a lot this morning that they're in lack. Would you step out, those of you that are around them right now, would you step out and get your hands on the people that have their hands up and let's allow the Holy Spirit to use us. You're going to be like the little boy who brought his lunch and gave it to Jesus. You may not have much either, but what you have right now is enough to cause a breakthrough. Come on, get your hands up. If you raise your hand, get it up so we know. Shouldn't be anybody with their hand up that's all by themselves this morning. We are assigned to one another right now. Come on, believe, believe. Come on, little as much. Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, it seems hopeless. It seems like it's nothing, but we know, we know, we know, we know. We refuse to buy the lie. We refuse to give in to the lie. We know it's enough. And so, Father, we deposit what we have into them right now. We deposit care. We, we deposit hope. Don't let the hope die in their life. We deposit trust in you again. God, we, we, just, we just join our faith with them. And we ask you to break through and break in. Don't let them give up. Don't let them give up. Don't let them give up. Don't let them quit. In Jesus' name. Come on, just begin to seek God on their behalf just for a few more moments. Father, in Jesus' name, we stir up the faith that's in us. They may not have any faith left. They may not have any faith left. God, I deposit in them some faith because I call out to you on their behalf. You've assigned us together. Uh, you've joined us together for a moment like this where I can reach out to them. I didn't even know they had a need. But God, I pray that you'd speak right now. Life and hope and faith. Bring them through this season of nothing. In Jesus' name. 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 Come on, believe right at this moment. They're coming out of the lie. They're, They're starting to clear the fog of the lie. They recognize they've got something too. And when you join together what you each have, God can do great things. Come on, join your faith together. In Jesus' name. Father, I pray that in this very moment, the light would go on in somebody's head and in their spirit. And as they're praying for the individual they're praying for right now, they would recognize that more than just a call from a preacher, you have placed them with an assignment. They are assigned to the person they're praying for right now. But they are assigned more than than just a prayer. They are, they are literally assigned to communicate and to commit to one another. And with what resources they have, they will bless the person they're praying. It could be a phone call every now and then. It could be a lunch together. It could be a coffee together. It could be whatever it is. God, speak directly at this moment. And show us how we are to commit to one another to help the person we're praying for walk through and live through this season of nothing. And Father, we'll be quick to give you the glory and the praise and the honor. 
because it belongs to you. And everybody said, amen. Come on, turn to the person you're praying for right now and say, you're coming through. You're going to live through this. Come on, you're going to live through this. And then you may be seated for just a moment. It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more Passion Church resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion.